Okay, welcome back to the show. And I've got two guests on the show today, both with the, the one common goal. We are here today to talk about this book, Blood, Sweat and Cheers, the story of the Bushwhackers. It's Bushwhacker Luke and John Crowther. Guys, how are you doing today? Very good, thanks. Very good there, mate. Very good, Morris. And how are you today, mate? I'm good. We were just discussing the weather. It's minus, nearly minus four degrees over here Celsius at the moment, so it's pretty cold over here. We just had a bloody storm come through here. Not a bad one, but it was pretty winds and all that will BS. Yeah, yeah we've yeah. got. We're, we're having our Florida winter. It's going to dip down, as we said earlier, to about seventy-two degrees. So we'll be we'll be freezing Floridians. <laughs> <laughs> the weather is pretty wild out there, isn't it? At times. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, at least we're not in hurricane season anymore. Yeah, yeah. Guys, look, we're here to talk about the book predominantly today. So. Obviously, this covers the whole Bushwhacker's career, like 40 years. How did this come about, Luke, and how did you become involved, John, and how do you two guys know each other firstly, I suppose, is the best question to ask. Well, I met I met John at um, Comic-Cons, you know, comic conventions. Yeah. And then we got to talk, at, and of course, he was doing comic books. He's been doing comic books of, of, of the wrestling stars for many years, you know, Haxwell, Jim Duggan, you know, Jake, and um, who else? Quite a few different characters. Yeah, Bruno, Bruno, Rocky Johnson, a lot of those guys. Excellent. And, then, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I've been going to do a book. I've been talking to my good friend, George Napolitano, for years. You know, he George was a photographer for the WWF in the 70s for Vince Sr., and he's yeah. the, the, the programs for him. And he's put a lot of books out, too. You know, but mainly photography books. You know what I mean? Anyhow, I got to talk to John, and and here we are. And after two years or a year and a half of doing phone calls three way with Butch, Bush, John, and myself, we did it for about a year and a half. Yeah. And that, and we got a lot of stuff down. And that, and John, after every session, John put it down from the microphone down on paper. And then edited it and edited it, and there it is. Blood, sweat, and cheers. Yeah, like 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 Luke said, I you know, I've done a lot of comics for heavy metal, for a lot of wrestlers, things like that. And COVID hit. And uh and Luke and I had known each other already for a couple of years, just being on the convention circuit together. Yeah. And and he asked me, I always get a kick out how, how I'd like to write a real book. So I uh, <laughs> yeah. so we did a, a real book, a prose. Uh, autobiography that, like you mentioned earlier, it covers, you know, it's 372 pages covering from their early days, I, I think when, when well, all the way to when they were born, but all of their in, incarnations, be it the New Zealand Kiwis, be it the sheep herders, or be it the bushwhackers, it's all in there. In yeah. 50 years, it's 1966 to um, nearly 2023, it's um, more or less uh, 60 year, 50 years till we went from uh, sorry from 66 to 2015 was actually 50 years of uh our lives is in this book yeah and was it was writing a book luke something that you ever considered before long before this or was there did you yeah, ever were you ever writing it. stuff down i was thinking about it with george napolitano but george is busy doing for photos and that and he's retired he's done a lot of stuff for me so you know, and John John was biting at the bit to do a book. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, and uh, you know, it's a credit to George too. He did write uh, a foreword for us, and and the the photo you see on the cover of the book, uh, George graciously allowed us to use that photo that he took back when they were the sheep herders for our cover. So he did have a part in the book too. Excellent, excellent. So like you guys kind of put this together then during when the world was kind of upside down and stuff like that. Did you actually meet in person at any time during making this book? Obviously you two guys kind of live close together, but was a lot of it done online? Yeah, I mean, we would, if, if you've heard of the, the, the thing WhatsApp, uh, we would it, like like Butch would laugh and call it. We're going to do our three ways. So, <laughs> so basically, basically, like Luke said, every Wednesday night uh, for about a year and a half, uh, we would hook up and do a three way chat, just like the three of us are doing right now uh, with Luke. You know, he's a little south of me near Clearwater. I'm up near Daytona Beach. Uh, and then Butch, you know, obviously he's in New Zealand. He hasn't been to the States in, in quite a few years. Uh, and we would talk like this for about two hours. I'd turn on a, I tried to write everything down the first night we did it. And I realized that that's not, that's not going to work. So uh, from that point forward, I got a little recorder and I would record. We would just talk about their lives and get into different stories. And I'd transcribe it and turn it into book format uh, the next morning. Yeah. Did you guys try and write this chronologically or with some like memories and different things kind of pop into your heads every now and then you'd be like, shit, I got to take that down. Even if that was say 1992 or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, Luke can kind of speak to that, but what we, a lot of what we do is I would just start, except for the parts about their early lives, which I did individually with them. Um, I yeah. just would start with their career and we just talk quite, like you said, chronologically from their early years, right up until, Honestly, their introduction into the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, which came after the WWE Hall of Fame. So it kind of flowed really nice. And I think Luke even mentioned to me once, that as you're talking, as they're talking, a lot of their memories would come back to them because we're just having these discussions and, oh, yeah. they remember another guy or another event. And, and so it really does flow very naturally. Yeah. Um, you go ahead, Luke. Was, uh, you know, I think now... With different years that come up, there's a lot of events we may have missed or situations. This book's more about situations behind the scene, and that and when you when you start thinking about it, there's a, you know there's things that we missed, but it's, we we've got a lot of main stories in there. But still, there's a lot to be said. You know, there could be a lot more involvement involvement in it. But so they're trying to put it together, put it together a bit different than other boys' books. Not not so much on the wrestling side, but more on the um, the stories behind the scenes. Yeah, like yeah, the inner workings that's, of things. People, yeah. That's why that, that's what yeah. the fans want to hear today. You know, they can watch all the wrestling and that, but they they actually want to talk and ask you questions about this situation, that things that came up. You know, especially the scandals and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty. Even the scandals from back in the day are kind of prevalent now again. I was actually part of the Vice TV documentary on Vince the other night. They took a little snippet from one of my podcasts with a guy that you know, Luke, uh, Mario Mancini. They took a little snippet of one of our shows. I don't know if you guys seen the, the Vice documentary the other night. No, no, but they, they talk, actually, you're talking about it. He sent um, about uh, to me today. The guy from Vice um, called me up and he asked me what he what I thought of the round table, the one I've already been in. 
you know, the territories, yeah. the round table, and he says, yeah. "Now you got dirt on a person we wanted to we want to talk about." So I'm going to call, <laughs> I'm going to get one of the guys to call you up to get more dirt on that person. Hey, um, I can't know. I love the guy, my Marty Gennetti. Yeah, but okay. you know, there's so much there's so much dirt on Marty. And that he used to uh, over your way. We were doing England and Ireland and Scotland. Yeah. He'd he'd go AWOL. You know, we'd be one night and then he'd go out and party, and then we wouldn't see him for the rest of the tour. And the office had funny part is the office had his bloody um passport. You know, they kept the passports when you're on the road. And I'd always wondered how did how did they get Marty home? A week would be home. Three days later, Marty would be in the fucking dressing room, just like another, like nothing happened. <laughs> I did we, got it. we got it. We got a good Marty story in this book too. Yeah, excellent. Is, is there anything you want to share, or do you want to save it for the book, or give us a teaser, maybe? Well, it it, it deals with college kids, GHB, and the Ultimate Warrior with some hair clippers. Jesus Christ! I, I think I think that's, that's a seller. That's a seller right there. <laughs> it's, one of the, it's one of the flights from hell. From Rio, okay. from Rio, um, you know, Rio, what, what, what state's uh, Rio in? What state? Oh, you mean country? Huh? Oh, Brazil, Brazil, no, Brazil. Rio de Janeiro, no. No, 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 I'm talking about in the States, you know, oh. you know, there, there's, um, there's a gambling town. What's the gambling oh, town? Oh, you talking about Reno, Nevada? Yeah, Nevada. From yeah. there to Dallas. That was the flight. This was one of the flights from hell. Reno, Nevada to Dallas. And <laughs> <laughs> do you know what the funny, the funny thing about it is that Marty wouldn't even care what you're saying anyway. No, <laughs> to fight TV. That was a five hours. No, he wasn't the only one involved too. Shawn Michaels. And Queen Sherry, you know Sherry Martel, Martel. She, they were the three. Yeah, and, and then the war, and then the warrior came down and, and did a little of his and own. Did the job. I don't don't tell. Warrior came down and did the job. <laughs> okay. It was a, it was a five hour trip. Yeah. What was what was he like, Luke, the warrior? Because you hear kind of contrasting reports about him all the time no, that uh, he was. You know, I knew him as before he became the ultimate warrior. They, I knew him when he was with Sting, and they were called, I forget what they were called. What were they called now? Whoa. I can't uh, remember. Was, I remember it two was Rock and uh, the Blade Runners. The Blade Runners. And boy, they were terrible. <laughs> you know, they were trained by the well-known guy on the West Coast who trained a lot of guys, but these were two bodybuilders. You know, the warrior only worried about his body, even in WWF. That's what he was there for, you know, to keep to to work, get paid to work out, and you know, in his body, he didn't care so much about the wrestling. Yeah, but I'll give you another cool. clip on them. We've even got a story of them back when they were the Blade Runners about Sting getting his head dunked in a toilet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, they, they were terrible. Sting, <laughs> Sting, Sting was a much better worker. You know, he learned the business properly. The Warrior. He, he was lucky that Vince loved bodybuilders. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been booked anywhere. You know, he loved bodybuilders and that was it. So he got yeah. the push. Yeah. I see, like, a, you worked a lot of house shows with the tag team of Yokozuna and Owen Hart, which was kind of a, 
it seemed like an odd pairing at the time. Do you have any stories about working with those two guys? And obviously, people speak very highly of Owen. Uh, Owen and Lucas and Lucas and Dodo, they were the, 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 the final, the last year in our um, business, in the, working for WWF, that's when they were teamed together. Yeah. As a lot, you know, no, no, this was earlier on, yeah. Anyhow, on that, it was sad. And actually, I'm the one that got Yoko Zuna booked over in England for um, for my, uh, Brian Brian Dixon, and that and that's where that's where he deceased. To that I think mm. you know that was sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you still wrestling to this day? I am, mate. And um, yep, I've been I've been in the business for seven decades, and I'm still in the ring. As a, as a, um, Wikipedia says, I'm the second oldest in the world. The great Kochika is the oldest. He's 79. He's still yeah. working in the ring, but he owns a promotion and works in tags and six mans. I still yeah. do singles. Yeah. What What's your opinion on working single matches as opposed to tag matches? Is there any that you prefer throughout your career, or do you just like a no, mix of I, both? I, I prefer working tags and that. But, you know, Butch and me, we knew each other in and out. And, you know, it was, we didn't have to talk to each other. You know what I mean? These kids, they, they put with me today, you know, they want to do, they want to do all these crazy moves. They don't want to get the, the fans involved. They just want to do their spot after spot after spot. And then and, uh, I explained to them, you know, you wonder why you don't get good pops? Because you don't involve the fans. Hmm. And what back to the book for a minute then again. What's the what's the reception been like for you guys so far from the book? Oh, it's fantastic. I know since we we, we initially um if you've heard of it before, we did an initially did a Kickstarter to help kind of get word out about the book, allow some yeah. people to get some early uh reception. And I want to say we did like 900% funding on the initial Kickstarter, which was really, you know, really good. Um, we launched on Amazon about a month and a half ago. And ever since we've launched, we've been, you know, pretty continuously uh, within the top 20, 25 books. I know, I think last I looked this morning, we were ranked number 10 uh, of wrestling autobiographies, which is a pretty big feat when you consider there's a lot of books out there that are put out yeah. by the WWE and, and such. And, and we're, we're beating them to the punch in a lot of, uh, sales and, and and the feedback has been great we're, we're, we're five-star rated book people are loving the stories uh they're loving the memories uh and, and like luke himself said we kind of did it a little bit differently than some other wrestling books because rather than just go match after match after match which we do yeah. touch on matches we try and give people really a lot of the background stories about what was happening in the different territories uh, what was happening, you know, as they were traveling through Asia and through Canada and through uh, South America. And then, you know, and then, of course, when they got to the WWE. But one of the concerns I think some initial people had was they didn't just want to read a book about the Bushwhackers uh, because a yes. lot of those guys, you know, grew up with the sheep herders or they grew up with the Kiwis. Well, I can assure you the book is probably about 75 percent Kiwis and, new, and sheep herders. Uh, you know, the Bushwhackers was just a part of their career. Um, but they were they were world famous before they ever stepped foot in the WWF ring. Yeah, and uh, kind of when you touched on WWE writing books, I think a lot of people kind of have reservations of buying books from a big company because they're always going to kind of put their own spin on it and it might lose a bit of personal touch. 
whereas yeah. you guys are working just together and you can put really what you want in the book you know yeah, i've heard of them I've, I've heard of them making books for people or with people and then you'd hand them a book 600 pages and they'd say no i want a 300 yeah you know, well i can tell example. you it, one of the compliments i've had not only on this one but on some of the uh, you know biographical uh, comics i did for some of the wrestlers is when i write these books i do literally talk to the guys so when I write it, I write it how they talk to me. So one of the best compliments I ever mm -hmm. have received is that the books sound like the wrestlers are talking and they can tell that it's written by a wrestling fan, not a person who has no idea what wrestling is all about, just trying to spit out a book. Uh, so I think it, it's easier for fans and even wrestlers and people in the business uh, to connect with these books because it really sounds like you're talking to Luke and Butch. Yeah. Luke, I've got a question about the the Royal Rumble, remember in 1991 where they done the quick elimination and things like that. Was there ever a reason or did they tell you exactly what was going to happen that time? I know the record has since been broken, but this is a two-part question, so I'll just leave that bit with you at the start. Yeah, mate, uh, when they come and presented that to me, and then it was Pat Patterson, and uh, God, God bless him, what a brain he had. You know, he was one that formed the Royal Rumble. That was his yeah. idea. You know, and that, but um, they said march out to the ring, get earthquake to pick you up when you get up on the apron, take you across the other ring, put you out, and just keep keep going, marching. And that, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was played right up to two years ago. And that, from 90, what was that, 92? Was that 92 91. or 91? Huh? 91. 91. That was played right up to, uh, uh, to um, two years ago pre-Royal Rumble, and it pissed me off when they stopped playing it, because that, <laughs> that people still, you know, people still remember that. Are you the guy that marched in and marched out? You know what I mean? Of yeah. course, they had Santino Morello do it, but a bit different. I was the original, you know what I mean? And yeah. people remember, I still get people, you know, remember, and they, and they call me up too, and they say, we've got a Royal Rumble, would you do this for us? Come in and do the same thing you did in WWE. Mm -hmm. So they, it's well remembered around, the, especially around the wrestling circuit. Yeah, see, it's not remembered as the quick elimination. It's mem it's remembered as a memorable moment. You know, that's yes. the, that's the that's the magic in it, really. The character it was the the action, the character. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't the time. The time helped it. The time, the time, because they said, "Whoa." He didn't even put do anything in the ring, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And that was it. But that the, you know, and I was, the, that, that kept me featured for so long. Yeah. The second part of that question is: It's December now. You're still wrestling. It's January next month. If they called you to do the Royal Rumble next month, WWE, would you do it? Not not specifically that segment, but would you go back into like a Rumble match? Would you like sure. to? I sure would, mate. And and in January January I'm seventy six. <laughs> you know what I mean? As I, I I I'd love to do that. Would that make you the oldest participant in Rumble history? Yes. Surely, by far. surely. Surely. I think I think they need to make it happen. Yeah, that makes me you know, I know Dory went over to Japan I don't know how many years ago, five years ago, six years ago, and then he did a match, I think, it's on television. You know, it's scary to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you seen that, uh, John? 
Yeah, I have. I think he actually did that at the Funkin' Conservatory here in Ocala, about an hour from me. No, he went to Japan. The one he did, did he go Japan. to Japan? I thought I thought the guy came here and they and they did it at his school. Oh, did they? I think so. I've seen it though. It is, and and I I like Dory, but it was a little hard to watch. It, it kind of looked like me coming home at about three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> After a few pints, that's what yeah. over here. <laughs> Especially, especially if you've been in the pub, out in the pubs in Ireland. They, <laughs> oh, they, yeah. Hey, John, they yeah. hammer it. They ha they're like Kiwis. They hammer them, hammer it there. My wife and I came so close. When COVID hit, we had our my first ever trip booked to Ireland, and I'll then yeah, and then and we had the plane tickets, everything ready to go, but they weren't letting us leave without being quarantined for two weeks. And then literally, yeah. I think the day before we were, but I couldn't get my money back for the flight. At the day before we were to leave, the EU said Americans couldn't go over. I finally got my money back, but I still haven't gone to Ireland. Yeah, thank God all that bullshit is over. We won't get into that tonight. Yeah, exactly. My wife's okay. a burn, so we wanted to we wanted to check it out. Morris. Yeah. Yep. Which, which part are you? The Catholic end or the Protestant end? I'm the Catholic end. I but I'm not really, but I'm not really a religious person. But yeah, I guess I would be from Dublin. a Catholic family. You're, I'm you're, just to Dublin. Yeah, you, you, you still do. You're in the um, the currency. What's it called now? The euro, euro. currency. Euro. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other end is British currency. Yeah, and it's I, crazy. I, Up the road. I've yeah. Through, I've gone through that checkpoint, Charlie, many times where they came in and searched us. That was heavy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what the do you know what we have in common though is uh, Australians or sorry from New Zealand and Ireland we can we can handle our drink better than the British. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> and, and I'm going to say it too, mate. You, you've got a better rugby team than you know. Yeah, Ireland beats England, beats Scotland, beats Wales. Ireland's got, Ireland's got a bit of rugby team. Yeah, for a small country, we have a very good rugby team. You know, we've only population of about three and a half million here to four, so yeah, we've done okay. That's the, same, that's the same as New Zealand, mate. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but you guys are built on rugby. Yeah, you, you've got, you've got our, you've had our coach, our um, coaches coaching in your country and managing too from New Zealand, and it shows. Yeah. yeah, and you you should you if Luke probably won't talk about it, but you know Luke was uh, he probably could have been a world class rugby player himself if he if he'd stuck with it. Yeah, it's in the book as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because Tony, Butch, I had I had Tony Green on there a couple Butch of weeks ago, right and he was the to, same. Yeah. Butch Butch played right up to to he started wrestling. I finished well before <laughs> rugby, you know, but Butch was still playing, you know, right up to. Um, when he started wrestling. Yep. Yeah. When was the last time yourself and Butch saw each other in person? Uh, two eighteen. Two eighteen. I was over there for a tour, and Butch was in my corner. Excellent, excellent. So is he is he planning on maybe coming back stateside? Are you guys going to try and get back together, or even for appearances uh, he, or anything? He was supposed to come at two twenty. The, the the virus. We had, we had twenty six shows, twenty six gigs around the country, and then two twenty one, the the uh, the COVID again, and then he got New Zealand was the last country opened in the world about four months ago. It was very strict there, yeah. Straight after the COVID opened us, and they opened the country up 
he got COVID. Oh, fuck. And he got it really heavy and really, you know, he's been sick because, for, from staff infection. You know, and he nearly died twice from it. And, then, wow. and um, this bloody um, COVID hit him and knocked the shit out of him. You know what I mean? You know, so he's probably, got, people, he's probably got... Go ahead. Sorry. See, he was supposed to come this year. I'm not sorry. He was supposed to come in the start of March 223. And we, we had the, all the gigs again set up around the country. And I spoke to him the other day. And he says he doesn't think his whole's up to it. He said that, that COVID knocked the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a real shame. Yeah, because we've never we've never done a tour in the states. You know, when when we were together, WWE, and then afterwards, and that there's no conventions and wrestlers weren't doing comic cons till yeah till the 2000 era, and Butch left in two Butch left in 2002 to go home. So we never did any signings around. The only time we signed photos was at halftime at the wrestling shows, you know what I mean? Independent wrestling shows. We never did any conventions, sports venues, none of that. Yeah, and the convention world is absolutely huge over there. Obviously, you know as well, John. Like, What's, no, what's it hey, like? It's, it's huge in your country because I've got a guy who runs throughout uh, Scotland, uh, Ireland, uh, UK, and, and runs the Europe from England. Yeah, the Comic Con. He does it, I think, in Belfast, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he does, yeah the guy Actually, now, he does the big show in Liverpool every year after WrestleMania. And he, so you want, I think it's so you want to wrestle. Something to do. For, for the love of wrestling. Yes. Monopoly events. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Yeah, I don't know him personally, but I, I might be actually at the For the Love of Wrestling next April because I, I do um bit of DJ and work in my spare time and I might be doing like an after party over there. Possibly okay, I'll, I'll, it's I'll be, talked about. I'll see you there then, Morris. Oh, you're going to be there, yeah? Yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, Going back to the wrestling then for a second, obviously the WWE Hall of Fame is like, it's a huge thing for people. How much did it mean to you, Luke? Or how significant was that moment kind of getting a bit of appreciation for your time there? When they called me up and they said about it, I said, about bloody time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That is exactly, I had Tony Gurria on the other night and I said, Tony, you know, there was talks about him going into the Hall of Fame and he said to me, it's about bloody time I do. <laughs> yeah, 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 Tony's a good guy. Yeah. Love, love Tony. We had, our, we had some of his first matches against with him. Excellent. He, uh, not our, not our first matches. His first matches. Did you have? Did you know him before going to America? Before WWE? Oh yes, in New Zealand. Yeah, excellent. I worked. I, worked around, I started in '62. Butch yeah. started in '66. I worked all around New Zealand, and that when Butch started, we worked all around New Zealand. But I worked up in Auckland where Tony was before Butch even started. Mm. Well, we just did a show with Tony. A couple of years ago, that uh, CWF Fan Fest over in just outside of Tampa. Excellent. He was yeah. there. Tony's got, since he's finished with WWF, the last three years, he finished in 212, 213. But the last three years, he's actually gone on the road and gone through quite a few signings. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's nice to do that, but it's a, it's also like the convention world. It's a nice guys. It's a nice way for you guys to all meet up with each other. You know, every so yeah. often you could meet in different towns and cities and I see never, people you I've haven't seen. I've never, I'm honest, we're never at a convention where there's Kiwis. And this is the first time there was myself, Tony Gurria, and Barbara. Uh, ba- Goodish. Barbara Goodish, you know, um, Bruce Brody's wife. Yeah. Kiwi. Yeah, yeah Tony Kiwi. mentioned her. Yeah, she was there. Excellent. Three Kiwis at one show. I think it was a bit too much. <laughs> uh, Luke, I have to ask you, I ask everyone, any memories of working with himself, Mr. Vince Jr.? Everyone's got a story about Vince. Uh, yeah, right. I can, you know, they all knock him. I can never knock him. Because if it yeah. wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Yeah. You know, NWA, you know, with the, the Crockett Center, you know, with the NWA office, we were known as wrestlers. When you go to WWF, that changes. You become worldwide celebrities. Yeah, and entertainers, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's the big difference. Yeah. Did you ever see him angry? Oh, I've seen him nasty. No, well, you know, he's called the boys a few times. He's been a bit of a uh, problem on the road. And instead of flying it, on, a, on the end of the tour, every 15 days we'd go, we'd go home for three days. He would, he, he, instead of going straight home, we'd he'd fly us all to Connecticut. And then we have to go to a uh, 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 meeting in the, in the hotel we stayed in. He would come and the boardroom and lay out. Hey, guys, blah, 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 blah. This situation happened. I don't want it to happen again. You know what I mean? But you have everyone there for that. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of keeping everyone in line as best as he could. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I always look at like people talk about mad stories from wrestling in the 80s and the early 90s and whatever. But I think the whole world, like pop culture, was the same. Like the rock and roll lifestyle. You guys were on the road all the time. There's bands touring all the time. And it's just it's just the era that stuff happened in, really, isn't it? Like what's what's perceived as crazy today was probably normal in the 80s and 90s, you know? Because it's <laughs> exactly. a different world we're living in. You know, mate, the rips we played on each other or, you know, especially guys who came into a territory, this is territorial days before WWF, and they thought yeah. they were short, their, their, their shit didn't stink. And they, <laughs> they were the ones that got ribs in that. And the, the ribs, if we played any of those ribs on the kids today, you know, the kids would be running, running home and we wouldn't see them again. You know what I mean? They'd the be bringing it to heavy, court. Though. Ribs were pretty heavy <laughs> those days. Yeah. Any particular one that stands out for you that that you have played? What's the best one that you've played on someone? That's what I want to know. I I, mate, I never played any of the rims. You know no. what I mean? I've been I've been sort of there with them all. But some of the most notorious rims happened in the heart territory. I guess you've heard this before, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you heard that in the Stampede Wrestling? Boy, back in the day when 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 Dean was alive, that was a small one, one of the oldest, apart from Smith, and that they were heavy ribs. Brett was too young for this, you know. There, there, there was Bruce, and there and Bruce, and there was um, 
Dean and, and uh, Smith. They used to let Smith run the Sunday towns. Well, you've heard so many stories about Smith. You imagine how those towns were, the ribs we played. <laughs> I think I think Butch Butch used to rib you a bit though, didn't he? Yeah, but they were just like you know simple things, m yeah. minor things compared. They were in ribs compared to these ribs, mate. No, I know, but but like pushing ice machines in front of your hotel door, or yeah, no, shoving you in a room and screaming. There's a room, a room full of people, and we'd go into the room, and he'd get me to go first. He he would push me in, scream. And they close the door, so everyone look around and they just see me there. <laughs> yeah, that's one of his favorite ones. Come to mind, though, here's one, here's one. Two great midgets, Sky Low Low and Little Beaver. Do you ever hear of them? No. These were the greatest. These were, these, these midgets were circus midgets. They could walk okay. along the top rope you watch midget matches today, they do, <clears throat> pardon me, they do them the same as men, the men do. You know, these midgets work midget matches. You know, cartoon stuff. Really. Yeah. They, but they were acrobatic, could walk on the top rope, and there's a, a lot of stuff. Okay, it's summertime. Summertime, when the school's out, promoters usually bring in midget, midgets, or girls, you know. So Stu yeah. Hart, <laughs> Stu Hart has brought two girls in from Moolah, and we've got two midgets, the two that I have mentioned, who were old then, you know what I mean? These guys are, I'm talking about now 1972, 73, and they were in the 50s. Yeah. Little, little Beaver was gay, and, you know, and um, who, what did I say, the other one? Sky Lola. Bald head, but he was a master. Anyhow, the, the actual high spot is the baby-faced midget does something smart on the heel, and the heel chases him around the ring. Yeah. And a tag. Well, <clears throat> usually you do, you bring one of the girls in, or a guy, either situation, but this was a mixed tag with girl and a midget. So the girl comes into the ring and she puts her, opens her legs up and the, the baby face wrestler goes through the, her legs as he's going around in circles and then the midget, the heel, pulls up and puts a brake on right in front of her, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Of her. <laughs> now, those days, the woman wore one-piece bathing suits. You know, like you, you went to the swimming, swimming bath or to the beach with, right? Yeah. And this night, this woman, I can't remember going back. I don't want to, I've got names in my head, but I don't want to quote, quote who it was. Okay. Anyhow, she was wearing a bathe one piece. They do the spot. Sky Lolo, uh, Little Beaver does something to Sky Lolo. Sky Lolo runs around the ring. She steps in. Little Beaver goes between her legs. Instead of stopping, Sky Lolo went between her legs. He had a blade in his hand and nicked oh. her. He nicked her right up the top of the thigh by the, the bottom of the um by the bottom of the trunks. You know the one piece? 
Yeah. Now, because the girl was working in the ring and her, she was, her blood, blood pressure was up because she was all hyped up, the blood started pumping into the bathed swimming suits and she looked like she had a period. Oh, now, all the fans, All the fans <laughs> were pointing at her and going like this. Like this. Oh, my God. The me were in the ring. Butcher me were watching from the back of the dressing room and the, the hearts. This is this is one of Smith's one of Smith's ribs. And that anyhow. We we, we finish the show, we drive back, drive back to um, Calgary, and I get a phone call straight through to my dress to my hotel room, which is adjacent to um, Butcher's, and it was Stuart phone. The girls had called up Moolah. They worked for Moolah, the great Moolah. Yeah. Remember her? She yep. booked all the girls. They, they'd called up Moolah. Moolah called Stu. And Stu's calling me. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he, I knew he loved ribs, but he wouldn't make out that he did. He, because he, his kids were doing ribs all the time. And yeah. then, and, um, you know, uh, and I said, you know, I, when I, well, I, I can't remember what I said. This was 1973. But I still remember getting, getting a phone call. So the boys must have got home and the student knew what we were traveling with some of the boys. So um, some of his sons, because we used to travel with them, that he'd called in straight away. Called, and called me straight away. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that's the, now that's pretty heavy a rib. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think you get away with it these days, would you? No, God. <laughs> oh no, the girl would go the, crying. The, 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 the feminists would be after you. The guy would be fired. It'd be too much. You know what I mean? Out of the day. And uh, it's like that's that's a, that's a great story there, and like people can expect stories like that from your book because, as as you said, like a lot of the stuff is outside the ring. And that just seems to be where people's interests are these days. I suppose people kind of know so much now about the wrestling business that they didn't back in the 80s and 90s that now they want to kind of peel back the curtain and hear stories from back in the day, don't they? Yeah. Now, a good friend of mine was released from WWE about six months or three months ago. He was Vince's right-hand man. He, they dragged him into the scandal to take the Johnny. Lead. Johnny, you got it, right? Johnny. And now people people are ringing him up to book him for to book him for conventions, but mainly for Q and As because they want to know the dirt behind the scenes. <laughs> and you is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Oh, he's he's but John John is a businessman. Butcher me started him. Butcher me started him in the business. Mm. I don't you don't know that, but in the NWA, and that Dusty gave him to us. To educate him, and uh, Johnny was a, a college graduate who had gone on into business, business programs, and all that. That's why he was over with Barber for so long, you know. And then with Vince's right hand man, because he was a yeah. businessman, not a wrestler. Even though he wrestled, he was more yeah. of a businessman. You know what I mean? Do you and, think that uh, he? Do, do you think that? Sorry, Luke, that he's the kind of he was the fall guy for when everything when shit hit the fan. Yeah, yeah, they mentioned that, you know, the girl went from Vince to him, you know what I mean? He was a fall guy. Anyhow, Johnny will know how, he knows that that will be a great thing for him, Q&As, 
but Johnny will be smooth because he knows how to talk. Yeah, yeah. He won't go. Kidding. He won't. He'll leave a teaser there. He won't go too deep. Yeah, I think a lot of people would love to hear what he has to say, and he's probably kind of maybe biding his time right. for now, just because because shit is still out there, and even with this documentary that came out the other night and stuff like that, it's probably just uh, best let things settle for a while. But I'm sure people would love to hear him speak or him write a book. I'd say he could write ten books at this point. Yeah, don't, don't forget he was get onto a job. <laughs> don't forget he was the events, you know, from two thousand. The year of 2000, when they when they did all the acting on NWA guys, the WC, WCW guys, and he came yeah. to Vince in 2000 to 2013, 2012, and then he's been back for two years. So he's got 14 or 15 years being right side Vince. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people I've had on the show, and the majority of them don't speak very highly of him. They probably don't know him like you do, you know? Mate, he was the X man. You know everything. He was told what to do. Yeah. He, he's the one that did all the firing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if they yeah. and if there's stuff that the boys didn't, you know, Henry stuff to talk to the boys, Vince wouldn't do it. Johnny would have to do all that. They don't yeah. realize too, mate, the generation, even some of my generation in the eighties. You know, you can't stay there forever. You have your you have your strong home base baby faces and your meal you've got to move the rest of the crew through. You know what I mean? The underneath baby faces, because they're the ones that build up the for for the uh, for the heels to get over and that and uh you know they get beaten, but they get, they help build up the heels to work with the main eventers and the heels they're passing through. You know, they work up the program, then they work with a hoaxer whoever's on top, and bye-bye. You know what I mean? They don't realize yeah. you can't be there for good. But they don't. Yeah. You know, they think, yeah, that's why John's got a lot of hate, because he had to do the firing and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I think he had Jim Ross doing that for a while as well, didn't he, when Jim Ross was there in the, in yeah, the company Yeah, he was at one before point John. Jimmy yeah. was and, and, and Ross was pretty outspoken about that in his book too, about how hard that was. Yeah, Being yeah, a... I'd say those guys have been in some very tricky situations. I think from that, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, being a booker, I've been a booker. For, I, I've been a booker for fourteen years. Not that you know about it, but in territorial days, before I went to Vince, and then after Vince, and then I ran, I ran IWA in Puerto Rico for two thousand and one. To 2009 and that or 2008 when Victor died then I ran um, the New Brunswick it's called the Maritimes New Brunswick and Nova Scotia and then I, I ran a week every month there for about four years you know that was the summer territory the rest of the year rest of the time six months or seven months of the year the, the ice was down on all the arenas so they, you know, they, they they weren't big companies, so they couldn't run the, the building. You know, and the, Vince, he works in those ice arenas because they threw, they put down the wood on top of the ice. Yeah. Like in those yeah. old, those days, <coughs> small territories, they didn't do it. And so they closed down, the territory actually closed down in September and opened again in May. 
guys, what back to the book again? I know we, we're here to talk about the book, but we're getting a little bit sidetracked at times. But like, what has been the main kind of split job between physical copies and Kindle up to this point? Oh, it's been, I'd say probably about 99% physical because I just, and this is a good ad for us, uh, I just this week uh, made it available for pre-order for Kindle. <clears throat> so we're taking pre-orders. If, so if people prefer the Kindle, you can go on and pre-order. And I made it to drop to your Kindles on Christmas morning. So what better way to celebrate <laughs> with a nice cup of coffee and some good bushwhacker sheep herder kiwi stories drop into your Kindle on Christmas morning? On Christmas yeah. morning. Yeah, that that's a, a lot of people today. They they want to listen to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I'm online. Yeah. You know, they, I, I, you can read it online or listen to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what we're gonna. We are gonna go into that. We are gonna look at potentially doing an audio book uh, down the road. We don't have that yet. Uh, me personally, I'm I'm old school. I like to hold the paper. I like to hold a book in my hand. I like the smell yeah. of a page. But I know, you know, it's is 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 uh, technology progresses. There's a lot of people that like to store all their books into a little piece of machinery and pull it up that way. So we have made it available that way, and I think uh, I think people will like it that way too. But why not get it on Christmas morning? Yeah, they, yeah that's very, a that's a little great little gift there, dropping yeah. from Santa Christmas morning. Very great. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great idea, John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luke, yourself, I see you're... Do you want to talk to me about your bar? Hey, you know, it's not my bar, mate. It's a friend of mine that I've known. But, but you're doing a lot of promotion for it. 12 years, yeah. That that I had a gym on Clearwater Beach right above Hogan's shop. I had yeah. that for eight years. And then, then um, the new landlord from New York bought the plaza, bought the plaza the gym was in, and... The, my, I had another year and a quarter. When that ran out, he whacked my rent up five five grand a month. To get, but that was just a message to get me out. You know what I mean? And he, what's he, there? He wanted, no. the, he wanted the bar. He wanted the plaza to be all restaurants and bars. Which now my my place, the Japanese restaurant beside me, and the, and the social club beside that. And the guy, the bar from downstairs called the Brown Boxer, they put a stairway up and they took over another 10,000 square feet. That's so true. that got me out. And, and I, you know, I, I was at home just being a weekend warrior. And that the, the opportunity is a good friend of mine. I just said to him, you got anything for me to do? Because, you know, I'm home and that's and uh and I decided to come down. One, not his main restaurant. It's his second to main. He's got four, two pizza parlors, and um, and two main restaurants. And this one, this is, was is the the runner up restaurant. I, I went down. I do more or less you know, PR. I talk yeah. to people. We are, and if there's stuff lying around on tables, I I humble myself and clean it up. Wipe the tabletop too, <laughs> you know. I'm not ashamed to do that, and uh, but I t I crack a chat with everybody, and 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 see, you know, they're happy with the food and they're enjoying themselves. And we're you know we're the last we're the last place on the beach, more or less, to, to sell food. When the yeah. bars close at three, we sell food to two thirty. Now I'm in an area where there's hotels, you know. 
there's 1,600 rooms within 50 yards from me. Maybe 2,000 2, rooms within 50 yards to 100 yards from me. All high-rise hotels. And, um, yeah. you know, they all, the people who work in these hotels, the staff and that, they come in after they finish work. And people in these restaurants and bars, they ask where to go when they're in town, stay in a hotel. And they tell them, you know, great food, and go to um, uh, Panfilos. And yeah. that's, and I promote it all the time, and that's it. But it's more you... or less, it's a late night, a late night scene, mate. You know, we, we have drifters come through, we open at six, and from six to 11, you know, the place never gets packed. It never gets high. You may catch it half full or a quarter full, but come midnight, half past twelve, that's when it starts hopping. Yeah, and you're still there to that time, like, like, I do you ever? Two thirty in the morning. <laughs> at your age, man, I like working at restaurants, still wrestling. Did that? Did the R word ever come into your mind? Retirement? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? I laid on the beach with the guys, and all the guys I laid on the beach with. God bless them. I did. I, you know, I lived. I lived on uh, a beach called Indian Rocks, Eat Indian Shores Beach, which is well known for tourism. It's between St. Pete and Clearwater. Yeah. And then it's this narrowest piece of land because the intercoastal runs behind it. There's two inlets: one down in John's Pass and one at Clearwater, where you, you can come in. And there's a this piece of land is a strip, and where I lived there, there was about eighty yards to hundred yards wide. And the way when this, we had bad storms, the waves used to come through underneath and go to the water behind me. Crazy. Yeah, guy. I can honestly say, getting to know Luke, he's probably one of the hardest working people I know, even today. I mean, he's yeah. always he's I'm I'm dragging out of bed. He's already shooting me messages on my phone. Wanting to chat because he's ready to go, and that's after getting to yeah. bed around two thirty, three o'clock in the morning the night before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, you know, it could come to a standstill, or all of a sudden it could come to a stop. But I like I'm doing stuff all the time. You know what I mean? Just living just, life like like you want to. Yeah, well, I I could get more rest because I, you know, I I know I need to get more rest than I do, but I can't when I wake up to have a to take a splash. If you know what a slash is. Oh, yeah, slash, yep. yeah. That's yeah, right. like a slash we use that as well. The Americans don't know. I had to teach one of them what a slash was. Yeah, oh, we know it over here. Yeah, it's a very you know, common you know, word know, here. Is too. Anyhow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never hear it, you bloody wanker. Anyhow, yeah. you know, once I get out for that and there's daylight, I can, can't get back to sleep. I, I start thinking of what i got to do. Guys, we're kind of we're kind of way over the time I had booked here for today, but what we're going to do just in closing, just why should people buy this book and just tell them how different it is from all the other books out there? And then Luke, for yourself, where could people catch you on social media, etc.? And I'll put all the links underneath for the book and the socials anyway. But guys, take it away. Well, while I think people should buy the book because some of our stories they've never heard, you know, there's there's drugs involved. Sold, sold, and, and rock and roll. You know, sold. You know, we've been in places in hoods, 
locked in rooms, yeah, <laughs> 600, 600 square feet condos while they shop it out for, for Coke. In Panama, in Colombia. What? And that's, that's in the book and all that sort of stuff. You know, who writes about that? Yeah, like Luke says, this is it's sex, drugs, rock and roll. But even more important, when you get into it, you'll really get to know Luke and Butch. There's stories in there that'll make you laugh. There's stories in there, honestly, that will make you cry uh, when you hear some of the heartfelt stuff that that, that they had to go through. Uh, you know, because 50 years in the business, there's going to be highs, but there's going to be lows too. So it's gonna it's gonna hit pull every chord of your emotions. Um, but it's just a fantastic some fantastic stories about two really truly amazing great guys that uh that you know marched you know from a little tiny new zealand uh to the top of the top of the industry and uh, and they're still marching today yeah. yeah but you know that's that's a fact you know people from all over the world if they want to get in movies they go to hollywood and that you know when i started morris we had no televisions on 88 to to 68 and then it would only be on from three to to eight o'clock five hours of television to late and then you know there's no we had the wild white world of sports at three o'clock on sunday afternoon i still remember that while <laughs> you know and you remember that wild wide world of sports right yeah i remember yeah, that and that, but apart from that no television we had radio so the only way to promote it in towns was the poster and radio or newspaper you got to the town early in the day to get in the night because the, the night paper used to come out at four o'clock a lot of towns had a morning paper that came out you know three in the morning four in the morning and then they had the the night one had come out at four so you got to the town you know trying to get there before midday and go to the newspaper and get a story in and get a couple of photos so it'd be on the sports page or the back page of the paper that that night uh, and that's how we promoted the towns yeah crazy huh we used yeah. to go to the towns at midday too mate and walk around in the street because everyone would be out for lunch and they say oh the wrestlers are in town. flyers yeah flyers you're right mate and that was the that's how it was and mate so all the fans get this book and read the journey. It's a wild one. And we start off and when we really start rocking and rolling, it's, it has me and Butch and, I, and, and, and living in Singapore and going through the country was having a war. Malaya was Asia and it was Asia and Malaya. And then all of a sudden when they got this and they had the treaty and it was all sold and became Malaysia. But we were driving up there when it was two different names and we used, and we could hear the guns da, 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 da. We'd, curfew was five o'clock no driver and then we'd be driving out the jungle and that after five seven o'clock at night elephants working the side of the road bullocks no no machinery elephants working the indian and asian elephants are small with the guy sitting in the back they'd be rolling up the bam the sugar cane or you know the bamboo and all that and that and the bullocks were pulling the fucking thing with bullock horns digging up the dirt to plant seeds and people don't realize that's how it was in those third world countries yeah yeah so so if people are if people are looking for the book they can find it uh, anywhere amazon is online i know amazon has stores all over europe 
here in the U.S. and, and, and Australia. Um, and if they'd like to get an autographed copy, and correct me if I'm wrong, bushwhackerbrand at gmail.com. They can write Butch or Luke directly, and uh, Luke can hook you up with a nice signed copy for your for yeah, all your signed copies yeah. and ship them out to you. So remember that Bushwhacker Brands, and when they spell whacker, it's W H A C K E R, not W A C K E R. It's W H A C K E R. Silent brand. H. Silent H. Yeah, at gmail.com. And my other sites are all Bushwhacker Luke, my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter. It's just Bushwhacker Luke. And my website is bushwhackerluke.net and .com. But I think the .com is down. It's .net. .net. I'll put all those links underneath. Gentlemen, absolute pleasure to talk to you both today. And happy Christmas to you guys. And Thank hopefully you, we'll see you again at some point. Same yeah, to you. And have, a, have you. a wonderful New Year, too. Yeah, you yeah. have a, a happy Christmas. A Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And I'll see you in, in April at the uh, show, Andrew's show in Liverpool. Excellent. And in all 